Again, the text for this morning's sermon is uh, Romans 8, the verses 31 to 39, and we have just read those verses together. I will not uh, read them again right now. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, why did God do that? Why did God let me go through this? Questions like that sometimes go through our mind. We especially face those questions when we go through very difficult trials Uh, suffering, uh, grief, or intense pain. And when we go through those hard times, perhaps the most difficult question of all is, you know, where is God's love for me when I go through those extremely difficult experiences in life? You know, is is it absent? Has it been taken away as I'm going through this difficult trial? Uh, has God removed somehow his, his love from me? Do, do my experiences, do my hardships testify to that? Well, when we face those difficult things, uh, a good place to turn to is our text this morning from Romans 8. You know, the the book of Romans has been called the the greatest explanation of the good news of Christ. Throughout this book, uh, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, paints a glorious picture of our salvation. And it has also been said that Romans 8 is the high point of the entire book, including our, our text. You know, there's something about this chapter, there's something about this text specifically that that captures, unlike anything else, both the incredible comfort and the magnificent riches we have as Christians. And this makes it a fitting text for a service in which we have professional faith. Or dwelling after the service, David and Z. Heidelbaum will profess their faith. Its text shows amazing blessings it is to have faith in Jesus Christ. And this text, of course, is also fitting to turn to when we go through painful events, as some of us have uh, deeply gone through this past week. And this is the case. It's fitting to turn to this passage because at the heart of this passage is that beautiful promise and confession that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's essentially the the theme for the sermon this morning. Nothing in all the world shall separate us from God's love in Jesus Christ our Lord. And with that, we have three points we're going to follow. First of all, the basis for this promise, and then we'll see, we'll look at the challenge to this promise, and finally, the fulfillment of of this promise. Again, so at the heart of this passage from Romans 8 is that beautiful promise, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, why can the Christian make that confession? What's the basis for this promise from God? 
Why can you as believers, you as David and Z, why can all of, all of us who believe in Jesus Christ make this confession and live by this promise, no matter what? Well, see this? Listen to the opening words of our text. Verse 31 says, What then shall we say to these things if God is for us, who can be against us? He says, what then shall we say to these things? What are the, these things he's referring to? Well, it can refer to the things that he's already said uh, throughout the book of Romans up to this point. Here are some examples. Things uh, like we read in Romans 5 verse 8. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or Romans 5, verse 10, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Or Romans 6, verse 14, says of believers, you are not under law, but under grace. That's not all. What then shall we say to these things also refers to the things stated uh, earlier in this chapter, Romans 8. Uh, We could have read the whole chapter. Uh, There's verse 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And then there's verse 28, which we did read. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. So, not just some things work together for good for the believer, not just the pleasant things, but all things, all things work together for our good. And all of these things form the basis of that confession. Uh, First of all, in verse 31, God is for us. He is for believers in in Christ. And if God is for those who believe in Jesus, who shall be against us, it, it asks. And these things throughout Romans also form the base of that promise in verse 39. Since all these things are true for the believer, it means that nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is saying, you know, think about all these things that I've been describing to you in this letter, all the riches of salvation. Think about them. In Christ, through His saving work, you are reconciled to God. You are God's children. There is no condemnation for you who are in Christ. And all things work together for good. What are the implications of that? Surely it means that God is for believers and nothing shall separate uh, them from God's love. And the basis for that promise is elaborated on uh, at the beginning of our text as well further. And the Holy Spirit, through Paul, gives three truths that give even more basis 
for our confidence. Three truths, three reasons. Reason number one, truth number one is this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? What, what does he mean by this? He's saying, look, God, God already gave us what was most precious to him, his eternal son. And he not only gave him as a gift, but he gave him up to death on a cross. And he gave his own son to suffer and die so that our sins might be paid for. And so if God did this, if he gave his well-beloved son for us in that way, you can be certain that he will make sure that Christ's death will not be for nothing, that it will not be in vain. He will make sure that he also gives us every other benefit of salvation. So that's truth number one. Truth number two that forms the basis of our confidence is this. As we read in our text, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. God is the one who justifies. That means God is the one who declares us not guilty of sin. Now, to be clear, God does not declare us not guilty because we are perfect people. We're innocent in ourselves, not at all. On the contrary, we all have sinned against God. But God justifies us through Christ, through His blood, through His obedience. He declares us not guilty. He declares us uh, righteous through faith in Christ on the basis of Christ's work alone. And since God is the one who does this, then who could possibly bring a convicting charge against the believer who has become God's child? God is the God of justice. And when He declares us not guilty in Christ by His grace, no one's going to be able to overturn that ruling of God. Not the devil, not anyone in this world. That's truth number two. Similar thing can be said about truth number three presented here. Who is to condemn, our text says. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised to life again, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. See, God has entrusted the judgment of this world to His Son, Jesus Christ. And the good news is, that the one who will judge the world is our Savior. He already died for us. He died in our place in His death on the cross, and He was raised to life again. He's at the right hand of God, and the judge of all the earth is interceding for us. You know, think of a, a modern courtroom. The judge is the same person as our lawyer, in, in effect. Right? And that's the best thing for the defendant. 
It's the best possible scenario for believers. The one who makes the final judgment about our eternal destiny is the one who died for us, the one who intercedes for us. And this provides us the basis for the certainty that nothing in all creation shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's true for all you who believe in Jesus Christ. It's true for you, David and Z, who make profession of your faith. It's true for you who believe no matter what trouble, grief, pain, or trial you are going through right now. Brings us to our second point, a challenge to this promise. So, beloved, God in our text is giving us a rock-solid foundation upon which to believe that nothing shall separate us from His love. However, even though we have this foundation as Christians, it doesn't mean that we always feel this confidence. Uh, we, we read in verses 35 and 36, you know, "...who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword..." As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Right here, Paul lists uh, seven uh, troubles that the Christian might go through in this life. Uh, yes, there are more, of course, but a seven being the number of fullness, it kind of covers, meant to cover them all, all situations of trouble and trial. Includes things like you know, poverty, sickness, also the death of a loved one. Now think of this, some of the things mentioned here. Take the example of a famine, right? Christians can go through these things too. When a famine hits, people go through terrible suffering. Not eating for days, facing serious malnutrition, it's a dangerous thing. Not only do people going through uh, famine, they have little food, but they also feel like they have little hope. And going through a famine might challenge your belief in this promise of God as a believer. When you're extremely hungry and there's still such scarce amounts of food, anxiety can pop up. Where is my God in my time of need? As he removed his love from me. The same goes for all the trials listed here and, and all the suffering we might face in our lives. Think also of the people Paul was writing to. They faced all kinds of hardships. They faced hunger at times. They faced plagues in Rome in the ancient world. They faced dangers. These Christians faced persecution. They faced death and pain. What might we conclude about the love of God when we go through those things? We might start to doubt. Why does God, by His providence, bring us through these painful struggles? Has He removed His love? Is He withholding it from us? These Christians in Rome weren't the first ones to face questions like this. Paul alludes to this when he quotes uh, from the Old Testament in verse 36. He says, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. All these words uh, are, are from Psalm 44. 
And in that psalm, the sons of Korah, they cry out to God. You know, they confess God's faithfulness in the past. They confess their current dependence upon the Lord, saying, oh, I don't trust in my sword or my bow. In God, we have boasted continually. And yet, what do they find in their circumstances? They find themselves killed by the sword of their enemies. Uh, those who hate them steal their possessions. So they cry out, all day long my disgrace is before me, my shame has covered my face. Although we have not been unfaithful to God, yet they still find, for your sake we're killed all the day long, regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. That is to say, there, there doesn't seem to be any reason for it. Here we, we are going through this trouble. And the psalm ends with a call to, uh, for God to save them from their suffering. And again, we face those things in our lives too. You know, with, with all that I've gone through, we might wonder, have I just been created to suffer? Where is God's love for me? The answer is that God's love hasn't been removed, despite all those things. It's true, the Christian hasn't been taken out of this broken world and all its suffering. However, suffering has been transformed for those who believe in Jesus Christ. See, as Christians, we also share in the sufferings of Christ. We are united to Him. Think of Psalm 44, which Paul quotes in our text, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Well, this is the very thing that happened to our Lord Jesus Christ. He was the only perfectly righteous, sinless person who ever lived. And yet Isaiah 53 says he was like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And he endured way more suffering than anything we ever will. But that's because he was led to the slaughter of the cross, suffering for the sins of everyone who would believe in him. This means, though, the suffering we go through now, it's not purpose, purposeless. It's not meaningless pain. It's Romans 8 uh, stated earlier on, we share in the sufferings of Christ that we might also share in His glory. And also this, he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to, to be revealed in us. The suffering you face in this life as believers will give way to a glory and a joy that far outweighs any suffering you might face in the here and now. And that brings us to our last point. So in verse 35, Paul, again, he lists seven disasters that might befall the Christian. Things like distress and famine, danger and sword. But that list was prefaced with this question. You know, who or what? 
will separate us from the love of Christ. That is to say, will things like trouble, distress, persecution separate us from, from Christ's love? You know, when we face those things, again, have we been severed from God's love? And to that, the Holy Spirit gives a resounding no. No, it says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And what a, what a contrast from one verse to the, to the next in how the text describes Christians. In verse 36, it says, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. In verse 37, it says, we are more than conquerors. And literally, we could translate it, uh, we are super conquerors, super conquerors. Now, how can this be when I hear the word super conqueror, I think of someone like, you know, a Marvel, a superhero, you know, just pick your favorite one, Uh, think of Captain America, think of the Incredible Hulk, Uh, think of, you know, Superman 2. But when I hear the word super conqueror, one thing I most definitely don't think of is a fluffy, flimsy sheep. But here, our text places them side by side. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, and yet we are more uh, than conquerors, super conquerors. No, I especially don't think of a sheep that's being led to the slaughter. Sounds more like a super-duper failure. So how can these two things be? Verse 37 tells us, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We are super-conquerors through God who loved us in Christ. We will not go down to defeat. Because God loved us in Christ, that means nothing will separate us from His love And so sheep can be super conquerors by the power of God and by the strength of His love. And that's how it was for Christ. He was a Lamb of God led to the slaughter of the cross, and yet God made Him a super conqueror when He raised Him from the dead again. And God's love is what carries us through those difficult and painful trials of life, even when we face the hardest things we go through. Even when we go through the most painful grief, God will sustain His people. And not only will He sustain us, but He will turn it to our good. And this is why Paul confesses here, and why we can confess along with Paul and Christ, and you, David, and Z as well, we can all confess, I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about this promise. Is there anything better to know in all the world than these words? You know, what do you do in this world if you don't have this promise of God? You're just left to the uh, forces of this uncertain world. Eventually, 
it all comes crashing down. As believers in Christ, we can always be confident. We may go through pain. We may face death. But even so, we will always have God's love. Amen. Let us now uh, respond to the preaching of God's Word by singing, and we'll do so standing, uh, Hymn 35, which is a hymn uh, based on our text Hymn 35, stanzas 1 and 2. You can find that on page 417 of the Book of Praise. <clears throat> 